Now time for Chillin' with Quillin' on ESPN Central Texas. I like that for Curtis. A little Johnny Cash. Love, Love is, a is a burning flame. Um, All right, Curtis, uh, good to have you. Happy Friday to you. Hope you have a good weekend. This is uh, finally uh, baseball championship, state championships over. You need to take a little downtime, take some vacation coming up, and then we'll get fired up for uh, Baylor football and Co- you know, college. We got yeah, we got media days coming up, and uh, we got a lot uh, stuff coming up, uh, Big Twelve wise. Um, okay, Curtis, are you watching TCU and Oral Roberts as we speak? Uh, I am. I actually uh, left to go to the conference room to uh, to hang out with you, but um, yeah, I have it on at my desk, and uh, oh, the drama in this game is unreal. Uh, wouldn't expect it. Wouldn't expect anything less from two teams that have just been absolutely red hot coming into Omaha. All right, in your time at Oklahoma State, did you did you um, get a chance as you were kind of learning the game and becoming the broadcaster that you've become? Did uh, did you ever make the trip to Tulsa? Talk to Coach Ryan Fulmer. Uh, any uh, any Oral Roberts type coverage that you've ever uh, participated in? So Oklahoma State, uh, every year since I started following college baseball, except maybe for COVID because of the shortened season, always I think I'm not, I'm almost certain has always done a home and home midweek uh, season series with with ORU because of the proximity of the two campuses, they're only an hour apart. Didn't have to go to Tulsa for any of that because you know who kind of laid the groundwork for Coach Fulmer to pick it up and keep it going in, in the direction it is, right? It's Rob Walton, well, the OSU pitching coach. That's right. That's right. He came from Josh, ORU. Yeah, Josh Holliday yes. hired him from ORU. Um, and, you know, while I was in school there, uh, fans would disagree with it this year, but Oklahoma State was always one of the most consistent pitching programs in the country. Uh, and Oral Roberts was up there, too, because that was his specialty. Uh, Rob Walton's son, Donnie, now playing for the uh, San Francisco Giants. Wow. I mean, you are a wealth of information, especially in that region, when we can kind of get into Oklahoma and delve into it. I, I kind of want to keep you posted here, uh, sir. We have a we have a situation. Uh, okay, okay, that was an out. I was watching on my phone, so I got it. Oh, I love this. Aaron's watching this. There's a ring around the rosy celebration in the outfield when ORU wins. And they do, and they, and then they all fall down like we did when we were little kids, <laughs> and uh, they did a ring around the rosy, and then the outfielders fell down. The Horn Frogs, I mean, you've never seen a more downcast group than the TCU Horn Frogs. And Ryan Fulmer, who played at Oklahoma State, started I believe for four years, and then played some minor league ball, has taken down the mighty Frogs uh, in uh, in Omaha. And uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, Curtis, this is a, what a story. A team that was a four seed in a regional, which is kind of a joke. They were a good enough team not right. to be a four seed. But still, that, that doesn't happen. That, that, this has happened three times since, I guess it does happen, since I'm about to say, since like 1999. It's happened three times. And the only team to ever go all the way, I think Fresno State either made it to the championship game or maybe won it 
all uh, as a re a four uh, a number four regional seed. But uh, and that, that by the way, they were in Stillwater, weren't they? In that regional. Yep. Uh, and and, and, and this yeah. whole Roberts team was only a four seed at the regional level because the NCAA was trying to save some money on traffic travel. Like we can call it what it is, right? Like if they made them a three, they were going to have to put them on a plane. They make them a four. You can put them on a bus and send them an hour down the road to, to O'Brate. And then, you know, while they're in Stillwater, they beat uh, Oklahoma state, they beat Washington, they beat Dallas Baptist. And that was a really good Washington team. Um, and that was a really good Dallas Baptist team. And that was a really good Oklahoma state team. And so, you know, I remember seeing the OSU radio guys on Twitter like, uh, if you think Oral Roberts is a four seed, you are sorely mistaken and have not paid attention to college baseball this year. And I'm inclined to agree with them. You don't wind up in Omaha as one of the bottom 16 teams in the in the bracket. You said it occasionally happens. But I would also argue that college baseball is where we see the most misseeding of the um, of the major NCAA brackets. Because you wind up with, uh, you know, with the travel rules and such, like you wind up with a four seed that's a four, in a regional because that's only a four seed in that regional because they just nobody wants to play them. They can't get a big school to play them in the midweek because they're too good. And then if they lose, you know, if they beat Oklahoma, well, Oklahoma takes an RPI hit. That's bad for OU. That's bad for the Big Twelve. And so um, I think ORU is kind of a an example of why we need RPI reform in college baseball. And, you know, a fact that I learned from John Morris this week, you know, they beat TCU. That means the nation's longest win streak is snapped. 11 games entering Omaha was TCU's win streak. So it's been an interesting run here for the Golden Eagles, but that's a program that, I mean, they've been on the cusp of doing this for a while. Yeah, I'm watching it. I went back to watch it again. And the guy who hits that big uh, three-run homer, Blaze Brothers. And I'm just watching him tomahawk that thing out of here. Oh, my goodness, there's no doubt on that one. That's one of the things I love about college baseball, too, the, the watching the celebrations. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so, it, is, uh, it is so much fun. Uh, Curtis Quillen joined the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. What about that Baylor baseball news today? Curtis, that's not good. Um, Will Rigney announces today that he is going to transfer to the University of Texas. And um, that's about the – I mean, it's disappointing on a lot of levels. I, it shouldn't be shocking with given the state of college baseball, 2,200 players in the portal now. But this was a legacy kid. Dad pitched for Baylor. I mean, you just like to think – that and then Baylor poured into him for four years. I love the kid. I love the dad. Dad's a friend of mine. But it's just kind of amazing that you can't even now. I mean, I guess again, nothing should surprise us. But this, this. I mean, think about all the injuries he went through, and and he did a great job coming back. But of course, Baylor was there with him through all of that, and so they develop and work with him and get him back to where he's a he's a dominating type college pitcher. And then, hey, thanks for the degree. I'm going to move on down here to the University of Texas. I don't think there's a place he could have gone that it would have felt like more of a dagger. Uh, you agree with that? I don't. I think that there is not a place he could have gone to that would have proven the point more that you do not commit to schools and college athletics anymore. You commit to coaches to develop you. Who did he commit to when he signed and committed and enrolled 
at Baylor University. It was Steve Rodriguez, who's now at the University of Texas at Austin. I don't. What we have learned in the past few years is there is no reason to hold college athletes to standards we don't hold the rest of the collegiate um, student body to. Otherwise, we have to acknowledge as a society that they're employees. And the fact of the matter is you talk to every high school coach out there, and they'll tell you, I tell my kids you're committing to the coaches, not the school, because that's who's going to get you where you want to be. That's who's going to determine what your role is going to be for the next four years in college, how much playing time you get, what kind of reps you're getting, what kind of system you're running. Um, and so, you know, it's, is it a big blow for Baylor? Absolutely. But was he, did he commit to Baylor to play for Mitch Thompson? No. I don't know whether Mitch recruited him to go to MCC or not. That is not the point here. He really, apparently, he, what this shows me is he really liked playing under Steve Rodriguez. He really liked being in that type of system, and now he this wants is to go not, back to that. He's not, he's not going to go play for Steve Rodriguez. He's going to play for Coach Pierce, and Steve Rodriguez was not the pitching coach. I mean, I get it that he but, that he committed to his program, but my gosh, this is this was the program. This kid's from Waco. He committed to a, a university. His dad pitched there. It's like an enormous legacy. I mean, I get what you're saying about the coach and all, but I just cannot. I, I most of those guys seemingly were ready to leave Steve. So it is interesting that one player at least was wanting to get back. To Steve Rodriguez, but maybe it's maybe we're both maybe maybe it's about NIL too. I mean, maybe it's not so much. I don't know. I that's the only part I would probably disagree I with you. I don't know that it's Steve Rodriguez. I have Rick, a Rickney's not the biggest name in college baseball, so I don't know how much NIL is really a factor there. And again, if you trust a coach, and the coach says, "Look, I'm here." I wouldn't be here in your living room telling you that this is the way it will be if you come to where I'm at now unless I meant it. And you trusted that coach, you'd go. We all would. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I would have gone before now. I mean, he's, I mean, they, they basically built the thing around him. He's the best pitcher at Baylor last season. I mean, he's pitched, what, 70 innings in four years because of a lot of injuries and everything. And they sort of – it wasn't just Steve. It was sort of everybody pouring into this guy. Um, I, I, it's, it's remarkable to me in that this is not your typical kid in the sense that he's a huge legacy. To me, this is more than just, well, I've committed to play with this other coach and I'm going to go where this coach is now. This was I, – I, it, it, but I do agree with you. From a disappointment standpoint, this is huge. I mean, you know, Mitch – is trying to build something. This is a guy they were building around and and was a huge part of the program. And for him to leave, it just man, it just it's tough on everybody. Yeah, and, and, and again, it is tough. And I understand being upset about it from a fan's perspective, but I mean, you could make that argument for so many different athletes in so many different sports. And at the end of the day, if if the fit isn't what he wants it to be, or he wants a fresh start, because I think a lot of Baylor fans are also frustrated over the, the injuries that they've been dealing with, with Rigney. 
every year there's a lot of excitement about what he can do and something happens along the way. Not his fault. It happens. But circumstances can lead to frustration. Maybe, again, I don't know. I haven't talked to Will. But speculatively, maybe he wants a fresh start. And I think we should give these college athletes the benefit of the doubt on that, especially because if a if a non-athlete decides to transfer because something happened in Waco and they just want a clean break and a fresh start from something, shouldn't we give them the benefit of the doubt there? And that's, that's my whole point here is he, ha- he still has a chance to have a really good career post-college if he can stay healthy, and he has a chance to have a great season next year. But where that is going to be the best fit for him is a decision only he can make. And if he's looking at what, what, what Mitch Thompson has coming in, whether that's from the transfer portal or from the high school recruiting uh, world, he might think his role is going to take a back is going to take a back seat next year mm-hmm. it, with the way that some of this is going, and you know when you've got one year left, two years left, that that's what's going to that's what's going to pave your yeah. pave your road for your future. You got to make the best of it, and so I get the the gut punch from it, but also this Baylor fo- baseball program is in a transitional phase. I mean, so many oh. guys went into the portal. One of them's playing in Omaha today that uh, went into the portal when the coaching change happened a year ago. Uh, you know, one went into the portal and then went pro. Two of them did that last year. And so they're, what, what Mitch Thompson and his guys are doing there in Waco, they're, they're trying to build. And, and that leads me to the other possibility here. Maybe Rigney wants to win and win now and doesn't know that that's going to happen in, in Waco. You know, again, purely speculative here, but – there's a whole list of reasons on why he could go. And I don't think that we should be pointing the finger at anybody here. I think sometimes things just happen. Yeah. I I do think Baylor was going to put everything around him this year. Like next year they were making it about him. Like any fear that he had that they were ready to move on or something like that. I, I don't, I certainly don't think that should have been the case. Who knows? And you're right. At some point, we'll get him on, and and, uh, we'll see. And you can't help but look at Steve Rodriguez, the way it ended. He gets fired. He goes down to Austin. You don't think he's looking at some of these players that were his former players and reaching out and all that kind of thing. So uh, we'll uh, see. And and this just gives even more – uh, I say to the rivalry, we only have one more year of it, but can you imagine next year when he's on the mound, uh, Curtis? I mean, that's going to be that's going to be very interesting, uh, to say the least. Um, Curtis, what about this? Uh, what about this local? What about China Spring? I mean, I haven't. I don't think I've had you on since, and I know you were down there covering a lot of that. Corey Beckham, the whole gang. How fun was that to uh, to break through, win a state title? Um, Waco is just, this area has such great baseball, but for China spring to do that after so much adversity along the way, whether it be coming back, um, whether it be tough losses, you know, along the way, I think back to that regional where they got beat three, nothing had to come back and win two games. Um, I mean, an incredible breakthrough in state championship for China spring and the year of China spring continues. Yeah, been a heck of a year for China Spring. And uh, I think I want to challenge Corey Beckham to try and do it in 13 innings next year, see if he can 
uh, pull that one off. I didn't get home from their state championship game until uh, 1 o'clock. And so late night for the Cougs. But, man, you had the feeling the whole time that even if uh, Liberty Ilo had scored in the extra innings, you just the, the energy in the ballpark seemed like China Spring would have matched it in the bottom half. And so to do I wish it could have ended in a little bit more viewer friendly of a way than a walk off walk? Yeah, absolutely. But also both teams have just played 12, 12 game, uh, 12 innings. Rather the game lasted something along the lines of four and a half hours, three and a half hours, which for a high school baseball game is an eternity. And so uh, absolutely electric for the, for the Cougars to win, you know, back-to-back nights going 12 innings uh unheard of truly and so they man whatever that athletic department has cooking is outrageous and that team they never gave up that you mean you know Carthage was the better team in the regional semifinal for the first 13 innings of the series going to the uh first and a half innings rather going to the bottom of the seventh it's 6-2 Carthage and then they come back win game two force a game three they're three outs from getting swept in the regional semifinals. And then they get Taylor's ace, weather the storm there, lose 3 nothing or something like that, come back, win two the next night. And one of them they have to rally to come back and win yep. it in yep. game three. Um, that team never gave up. That team knew that if they were throwing pitches, they had a shot. And sometimes that's all you need in high school baseball. And then when you have just athletic dudes that can go out there, get you hits, throw good pitches, get you out, um, you know, sometimes that's just gravy. And that's that's kind of what it seemed like for China Spring this year. Uh, but, man, what an effort from the Cougars the last three weeks of the season to win the state title. Um, kind of similar to what Abbott did, you know. Abbott was only the better team in that in their regional final series for, what, eight innings? And they went three games there with Dodd City. And so um, the Panthers and the Cougars, first time since I've been working at Channel 6, Matt, that the area has had multiple state baseball champions in one season. Wow. Okay. I like that kind of perspective. Now, uh, by the way, was that pitch close, the walk-off walk? Was that pitch close at all, or was it a very obvious uh, Was it very obvious that it was a ball? I mean, it wasn't on the ground, but it, it seemed pretty obvious to me it was a ball. Okay. Okay. I was just kind of curious. Um Ricky Fowler or Victor Hovland from your alma mater, uh, Oklahoma State. If you're, you're, they're both in the U.S. Open. Uh, Ricky Fowler's played great, and the last I looked was tied for the lead in the uh, in the U.S. Open. Uh, who would you, if those guys were tied in a major, who would you be pulling for between those two former Oklahoma State greats? Uh, I have stories that aren't suitable for radio that involve Ricky Fowler. Uh, and, and some friends of mine in college. And so uh, I think I'd have to go with Fowler just because that's the one that's got uh, a little – he he used to come to still – he was not at Oklahoma State the same time I was. Neither was Hovland, but I'm older than Hovland is. Um, and so, uh, you know, Fowler was the celebrity guest picker my senior year on college game day when Oklahoma State hosted OU for the outright Big 12 championship in 2015. And, um, I mean, friends of mine ran into him on the strip – for Saturday night after the games and I remember hearing the stories and I think it's just because that's the guy who would come back and visit Stillwater when I was in school that's who I'd be inclined to go with but you put either one of them on the uh, holding the trophy 
Sunday afternoon, and uh, I think most of uh, most of the Oklahoma State fan base would be okay with celebrating either one of them. Do any of your buddies ever try that flat bill cap look, the snapback cap, and that orange look that Ricky would have? It's a very uh, – and I, I guess that was an ode to Oklahoma State, or maybe he just loves orange. Who knows? I'm sure it, Oklahoma it's State – It's an ode. The orange Sunday, okay. that, that's an ode. And, I mean, I went to college from 2013 to 2016. Absolutely every single one of my buddies tried that look. <laughs> do you break in your caps now or do you still occasionally try to keep a a straight bill look i never went to the straight bill i've always broken them in a little bit you know okay. i don't i don't go full like the full u-shape kind of like a, i don't go like with a horseshoe shape on my bills but uh i've never gone with a flat bill i just don't have the head for it and uh you know, I try to uh, attract as little attention to the size of my head as I can. Did, uh, Nikki Collin had the—I mean, she had her ball cap like way down, way broken in the other day. I mean, it was like the Kappas at Baylor. The Kappas at Baylor love to break the cap in and then pull it way down low. Sigma Kai's did too, but we didn't really care about Sigma Kai's. We were, you know, a little more interested in the Kappas at the time. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Nikki going with the. With the ball cap very broken in and the pulled down almost kind of over her eyes look. That's not the first time she's had that look at a press conference either. You know, when she does wear a, wear a hat, she kind of keeps it a little low. But I've also seen the same for my wife. Uh, when 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 my wife wears a uh, wears a cap, she she tends to pull it down a little bit low as well. And so I don't I don't know if it's something with the hair or that makes it a little more comfortable that way, but. It's not the first time I've seen it from Colin, and I don't think it's going to be the last we'll see it at a press conference either. Ask your wife if she can hear us okay out in Gerald. I mean, I'm always a little concerned. We've got a pretty strong signal, but I want to make sure she can hear your appearances here on here on the Mosley Show. I will. I will. Before we go, right. though, Matt, i gotta, I got to wish her a happy anniversary. Tomorrow is one year. Uh, since we got married, and so I haven't managed to screw it up yet, and I'm hoping uh, I never do. But happy anniversary, Shannon, and uh, I love you, and thanks for letting me say that, Matt. Okay, you were saying that to Shannon and not me, that yeah, last part. Okay, I I, okay. I know we're good friends, but I love my wife. Yeah, I think you actually love me just in a way different way. But uh, that's you and Shannon, that's great. That is a happy anniversary. I hope you all have a great one. And uh, live it up. Live it up, okay? And uh, uh, just put it on my tab wherever you end up. <laughs> Will do, Matt. All right, Curtis Quillen. Curtis Quillen. Uh, there he goes. Chilling with Quillen.